welcome to TNA Top 10. Obviously, the intro's a little different. I didn't pre-record this time. And I'm not going through a rant like I normally do because I'd fumble all over that nonsense. So welcome. It's a new day, Andrew. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. It's good to see you. We took a week off. Took two weeks off. We did. Threatened to come back with talking about something other than football. And then the wheels come off the bus. Uh, Immediately. For, for us, anyway. Uh, I listened to our last show. Excuse me. <clears throat> I listened to our last show. And I said, on the show, Saban's not retiring, and Jim Harbaugh's going to the NFL. <laughs> I got 50% of that correct. Because Saban right. did retire, and Jim Harbaugh is headed to the NFL. At least that was what was reported tonight. I know we'll get into all of that. But, um, buddy, we thought we were going to put a pin in football coverage. And, boy, have the last 14 days given us more than enough to talk about. But the good news for our audience that expects something different, and I'll let you uh, lay it out, is we will still have a lot of football talk tonight, but we are going to move away from some of that as well. Well, we're going to have to fill a bunch of weeks in the offseason. There's not always going to be the greatest coach in the history of college football retiring to fill the show. I mean, I think next week we're going to have to come up with something. So, you know. At least well, we have the news, NFL playoffs to talk about a little bit, so that'll be good, but, you know. And the good lot. news is, as long as all of these head coaches either retire, move to the NFL, or whatever, they're going to have the transfer portal open, which will give us things to talk about. Good Lord. <laughs> I can't keep up with that. I mean, it's just crazy. It's it's, it's insanity. And I, do, I will mention this just at the top because we got to get it. We got it. We got to hit what brought us to the dance. And one of those things, as always, is fuck Ohio State. But good for them. Columbus has spent $13 million assembling a super team built by the NIL that now includes the number one quarterback recruit from the University of Alabama, as well as the best safety in the NCAA, uh, also from Alabama. But I had read this. They had spent... 13 million in NIL promised money to get these players. So I I know that I say fuck Ohio State a lot Terry, but it's pretty clear to me Ryan Day got the mandate. You guys will beat Michigan, you will play for a national championship because to go cut loose and spend that kind of money and they got a great quarterback already in Will Howard and now they're getting uh, uh, Stave or whatever his last name is, the the young man from from Alabama, who was going to sit behind Milrow. He's not sitting behind Milrow anymore. He's sitting behind Will Howard, presumably. But thirteen million. We're talking huge, huge, huge money that Ohio State spent, and they're not pregnant and all alone out there. I promise you, there's a lot of checks being cut to these teams. And uh, while we're on the things that aren't on the agenda. Nebraska, the Polynesian Bowl, Dylan Rayola doing his thing, uh, along with the with the tight end Garrett Nelson. Uh, we are looking fine at the University of Nebraska. Strength and conditioning training started this week uh, for the off season, buddy. That team might actually have a fighting chance next next year, and I am so excited. But I don't have any Kool Aid. No Kool Aid. Well, just you know, it's funny. It's funny, today, I believe it was, I tagged you in a tweet from Big Game Boomer showing 
the entire list of teams who have not won a bowl the last five seasons, um, Auburn and Nebraska were both on. <laughs> that will come to an end in 2024. You hear me? Well, we Auburn's played in a few, but they keep losing them. <laughs> we are done with this nonsense. We are going nine and three. We're getting a bowl game. We're going to give Columbus, the, we're going to give Ohio State a dog fight in Columbus. They're not going to even see what hit them, and they're going to win, but they ain't going to win nearly as big as I thought they would when I first saw them on the schedule. But that's a, that, that's, I think that's our ranting if, since we didn't do a, a actual pre recorded it's, it's a new day. We're going to figure it out. I don't have my pre planned. So, what I used to do just to fill everybody in, I guess y'all, y'all remember, I would, if, if you've listened to it throughout, that I would um, play the music, I would do this little intro thing. I would record that three or four times if I sound stupid, but no more of that. I got a regular intro. I might be able to fit that into the intro, but I don't know yet. A little bit of technology at a time will keep improving, but that does bring us to the first first little topic we're going to talk about. We talked about the new show format. We are going to put some stuff on YouTube. I got to figure that out next. <laughs> I haven't even tried that yet, but, um, you know, we wanted to change the format a little bit for the off season. There's not always going to be football to talk about. We're interested in other things. There's other things going on in the world. we got the NFL playoffs. we got the Royal Rumble coming up this week. we got all kind of other, I mean, plenty of stupid things going on in Florida. You know, there's plenty of things in the news we can talk about. We'll keep a top 10. Um, who the hell knows what it's going to be every week. This not, time, even, not even us. Just no, we don't even know what it's going to be. <laughs> I will say this, though. We talked about it. Um, we're going to invite folks to vote with us yep. from time to time. We had a, a couple of we'll, – we'll let them stay anonymous. Um, but we had a couple of friends help us on this, uh, on this week's top ten. Uh, so we'll, we'll do that as a segment later. Uh, we're showing some graphics of that since we're, we're videoing. But um, – you know, we said, well, what do we do since we don't have 20 games to dig into? And honestly, when we do get back into football season, we may not go as deep. It may be that we kind of stay back still because we really, we were really getting way down in the weeds in some of these games. We might back off. So to we thought point, about it. To the point where I was diagnosing plays and schemes. Yeah. And we, we're probably not going to do that anymore, folks, unless you really liked when we did that. Um, uh, I, I'm yeah, probably not, not. going to tell you about a double barrel A-gap blitz anymore brought to you by the University of Georgia. Well, other than they, they well, love once to put in a six while. men in the box. Yeah, once in a while. But yeah, anyway. Just Terry, not every week. The but, map, you know, please. we listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I got to tell you, I don't watch much TV at all. I realized that about a year ago. I quit watching TV unless it's, you know, um, I might binge watch something. Yeah, unless it's football or wrestling or some basketball once in a while. I quit watching baseball. I don't even watch baseball anymore. Um, there's not a lot of shows I watch. I watch some History Channel stuff, um, binge watch that a little bit. I like all those, the blank that made America kind of things. Those are really good. Um, once in a while I'll binge watch something on Netflix, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and when we're talking about changing our format, we look at all these podcasts we listen to, and we mentioned a few in the last episode and it's funny. You said, we're going to leave somebody out and lo and behold, we did leave somebody out. 
one of our best not the fans. show that I <laughs> and the, the thing is, we mention anytime we talk about Florida State, we talk about our buddy Dave. And we left his podcast out of all of them that we do. And I kind of tweeted about it vaguely, but but um, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And I'm going to do more than mention them because we've been trying to figure out how do you make a podcast format. And um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And now that we're doing this, I think about what does this podcast do with segments and what kind of things they do and, and how they transition between stuff and um, I try to learn from those that have been doing it a while or those that I think are pretty professional with it. Uh, we do want to throw a shout out to first, um, one that, um, a lot of people aren't going to know unless they're part of our friend group, but, um, saved by the pod, which we both listen to. I kind of listened to it after the fact, some of our friends did that one. And we thought, um, that's one that I always thought the way they, the way they transitioned between segments was really good. Um, so I've kind of learned from that. If we can learn something from that, that'll be good. But the filter-free podcast, which is the one that Dave's on now with Timmy C and, and TJ, shout out to them, that, that kind of took that same kind of format. And if you're interested in wrestling, pop culture, um, talking about stuff from 20 or 30 years ago, sports anything like that or just goofy bastards then that's a good show for you to watch or, or listen to either one um i know that i'm i'm on their patreon so i like them enough to pay so to support them so um you know shout out to them i wanted to do more than just mention them but i mean let, let me run down my list of something here so i'm looking at my phone and i got my apple podcast here and i'm looking at the shows that i that I, I download every week because some of these, they're not all wrestling. They're not all football. Like, of course, this is not a big shocker for you. Bourbon real talk. I like the way they do their thing. Drunk. I got That's what he means. Like a, Drunk. I've got both Jim Cornette podcasts. Um, man, if we could get to the Jim Cornette level, that would be excellent. But we've got a little work to do there. So I'll I've got quit my working in the car business. <laughs> so i got saved by the pod on here i've got talking wrestling with pond water dave we've mentioned them several times the basement yard i started listening to new heights um oh. no i'm not a swifty i started listening because it was interesting based on them it, it, it's got nothing to do with that time out because you brought it up we need much more shirtless jason kelsey and much <laughs> less taylor swift and we may mention it in the playoffs. With a bunch of both. This, I don't care. This man is shotgunning beers with the Bills Mafia while his brother is trying to advance to the AFC Championship on the other team. That is a level of fandom, Terry, that we can only hope and aspire to reach as football fans. To be shirtless Jason Kelsey, arguably the greatest center the football's ever seen. Um Shotgun and beers with the Bills Mafia in enemy territory while his brother is winning a football game <laughs> and his yeah, brother's fiance is sitting up in the press box with Mahomes' wife and their mom, Mrs. Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only did he clear to get out the window, there were some drinks sitting there. They may have been empty, but he cleared them and didn't knock them over. So he got well above. 
the window sill there. So that was excellent. But yeah, I wanted to run that. The only other one I wanted to mention, I listened to Nate Land. I don't know if anybody knows that one. That's a comedy podcast, Nate Bargatze and three other comedians from Nashville. So I learned a lot from them too and how they do things. So I listen to all these things. I try to try to understand how they do things and maybe we can learn from it, not steal from them necessarily. You know, oh no, we're stealing. We, we won't, we won't steal it from them. It's but, not an original uh, <laughs> idea in wrestling. There's not an original idea in podcasting. We're stealing it all. Um, I'm kidding. We're not going to steal it all, but borrowing heavily yeah. and making it our own that you did first will probably happen on this show. Yeah. All right. So now that we've kind of run that down, we've spent a little time in the intro here. We got a lot to talk about. Um, I'm going to hand it over to you, sir, because you know what the topic is today. Why don't you introduce it to us and, and start in on why we're here today, talk, still talking about football instead of transitioning to ice cream. Still talking about football instead of the best top flavors of ice cream is simply because the greatest college football coach of all time has retired. Nobody ever thought they'd see this day where Nicholas Lou Saban called it quits. Um, but we're going to go over a lot of things about the man, and he is a personal hero of mine. I love his intensity, his process, his mind, his attitude, his ability to be passionate and run a business because that's what Alabama football was for so long. The contributions that he has made aren't just seven national championships and 11 SEC titles and, and all of that or 10 SEC titles. What they are, what they are, excuse me just a second, get off the bed. Sorry about that. We had an invader, had an intruder. That was the dog. That was the baby. But uh, that'll be fun audio. We're sitting here talking oh, yeah, about Nick fun. Saban and Phoenix interrupts us. But bottom line is Nick Saban has brought something called a standard of excellence to football. He provided a model for every contemporary that he coached with and against to go ahead and try to make that football team that program. So it's no longer just about the team. It's about the program. He looked after the universities that he coached at, be that Michigan State or LSU, which we'll talk about, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, of course, the University of Alabama. He took all of his notoriety and fame and fortune, and he has Nick's kids, which obviously has um, done a lot of good for the underprivileged, underserved children. Um I believe in Alabama and along the, the whole nation. But Nick Saban, process, perfection, champion. That's what you think about when you think about Nick Saban. It's the undying quest for perfection. He won a lot of national championships with a one-loss team. He didn't. They didn't go undefeated yeah. every single year. Um, Not a lot, really. I mean, I don't know how no. many undefeated seasons they had, but it, it oh, may nine, be three. Oh, oh, 09, uh, 15, and 20, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So three out of the six. And then LSU was not undefeated when they won the national no. championship in 2003. They may have had two losses, didn't they? I think they, they did. Yes, sir. 
But Nick Saban, the process, the energy, the 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 talent, the the willingness to work those eighteen hour days. There's nobody ever like him. And this is what I will say though, for anybody, because I was a workaholic, took my job too seriously, whatever. If you don't think you can be replaced, just remember the University of Alabama replaced Nick Saban in less than 48 hours. And for a job that seemingly nobody really wanted, because how do you follow that? Well, Caleb DeBoer now has the keys to a Ferrari. It's a well-oiled machine. It's a very expensive machine, and it is going to be expected to be taken care of. Good for him saying yes to that job when so many others seemingly have said, we're not interested, we don't want it. Maybe. But maybe. There's speculation and rumors that, that it was declined. Jimmy Sexton is pretty good at convincing people stuff's true and it's really not. He likes making money. Well, you know, he is the agent for Saban, DeBoer. Everybody. Sarkeesian. If you are a name, he is your agent. <laughs> yeah. So, but Saban... You know, what he means to me is the man lost 29 games at the University of Alabama as the head coach and sent 44 players to the draft. That doesn't count the, the in the first round, by the way. Doesn't right. count all the championships and all, all of that's great. But what he created was a culture of winning, a culture of confidence, a culture of self-criticism, a culture where it's okay to lose. But you have to learn how to lose, and then you get better each day. We've both heard him say it over and again, Terry. It's process, 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 process. That's what he'll be known for, process, the standard of excellence and championship caliber football. He's the greatest college football coach to ever put the headset on. And this is coming from, as everybody that listens to this show, somebody who grew up during the Tom Osborne era in Nebraska. That was a very, very, very good football coach, probably the football coach of the 80s and 90s. But what Nick Saban did was he continued to adapt and change and evolve as the game changed and evolved. He never got yeah. behind. He never got tired. He stayed in front of it. And for those people that think that it's just the Alabama machine – that was so significant and so important for those wins. May I point to you the mass exodus after his retirement announcement? Well, so, so it's not that just that. Pool. I mean, even before he got there, like, it wasn't like LSU. You know, it wasn't like Donardo days at LSU. But, you know, Mike Shula won 10 games one year, and ESPN just shit all over themselves. It was like the first time Alabama had done that in forever. So it's not like they were just dominating before he got – they had some rough years. And the AD would probably get fired if they didn't make a decent hire, and he knocked it out of the park. Well, and Saban goes 7-6 and six year one, and then it's 12-2 and two year two. It's national championship year three. Right. And it, and it wasn't just the – this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. And, boy, did he live up to that, Terry. Um like I said, that Saban is to me the greatest college football coach ever. But when he left, there was a mass exodus of talent that followed him out the door at the University of Alabama. 
from Bond, who caught the force and 31 touchdown at Auburn, to the number one quarterback in the country gone to Ohio State, to the number one safety who's now at Ohio State, to the offensive lineman who kept fumbling the ball who's now at Ohio State in the in the right. semifinal game. And I know those four just off the top of my head, not without even trying. Well, they had a five-star receiver decommit, but he recommitted today. So yes, he did. Divorce kind of come in and, and, and pulled some things back in. But my point is, it wasn't wanting to play for the Alabama machine. They wanted to play for the man running the machine. And that's right. very, very clear when you see them leave in droves. The other contribution that you know and I know and we're going to talk about is you can't tell me, particularly, and this will give us a good segue to LSU, you look at that LSU coaching staff that included Will Muschamp, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Bo Pelini, who was the Nebraska head coach in the ensuing years. You look at that particular staff, Terry, that's a Hall of Fame football staff that he had back in 2003. Leave Pelini out of it if you want. But from the standpoint of Fisher and Muschamp and Kirby and, of course, himself. Um, yeah. And Kirby, in my opinion, is the greatest disciple he ever had. Muschamp was his guy. Do you know what both of those men have in common with Nick Saban? What's that? They were defensive coordinators before they were oh. head coaches. <laughs> okay. that, so he loves I that thought we were getting a little deeper than Okay. No, he yeah. loves that defensive side of the football, though. That's his yeah. baby. That's his bread and butter. Nick Saban, a 72-year-old head coach, still coached the corners and safeties. And he didn't have to. He's got a position coach for that. But he's out there every day coaching them. We're going to test you. We're going to see what breaks you. Can you handle adversity? Can you handle Talking shit trouble? to him. And, and he is 100% just in and involved in every aspect of Alabama yeah. football. The mm -hmm. shadow that he has cast is humongous. And Caleb DeBoer has his work cut out for him because you and I both know the expectations of replacing, and I think I've told this story before. When Tom Osborne retired, he was the youngest coach. He was 60 years old. So there's always been that speculation. If we, number one, if Nebraska had looked outside of Nebraska instead of giving Solich the job, would they have hired Nick Saban? And most people say yes. But number two, what if Osborne had coached to 70 instead of just 60? How many more yeah. national titles does Nebraska bring home right. to Lincoln? But the editorial cartoon in the local paper, there's this little man-made lake named Lake McConaughey. One side of the lake, it says coaching interviews. On the other side of the lake, it's Osborne in his jacket and headset standing next to Jesus. You had to walk on water to get that job. Now that's what Caleb that's what Caleb DeBoer has in front of him. In all seriousness, the expectations and you and I know it Terry and I know you're not even an Alabama fan, you root for the other guys. Right. 10 wins is a losing season in Tuscaloosa. 10 wins is a been. losing season in Tuscaloosa. Making yeah. the semifinal of the college playoff is not good enough. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about Nick Saban and that elevated standard of excellence in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Nobody's ever going to match that intensity, that commitment, that drive. And Caleb DeBoer is off to a great start, but there's only one Nick Saban. And in my opinion, 
the greatest college football coach to ever, ever coach the game, and it will never, ever, ever be replicated. Yeah, especially at Alabama, they think about Bear Bryant. But, you know, there's been a lot of rule changes. You know, I talk about the number of teams. They try to balance it out, make it fair for everybody. And he had to contend with that. So, I mean, I think there was a tougher time um, to do this kind of thing. And he still did it, even though all those changes came. And the other thing is, as we both know, the NIL might have been finally what pushed him over the edge and into retirement because, possibly, you know, I'd put that out on social media that my goal was to watch, if it was the last time, I wanted to see Kirby and Saban one more time. Just one more time, and I wanted to see it live in person, and that happened. I got to see it. I got to see Alabama pull away with the victory there in, in, in Atlanta this past December for the SEC championship. And like you said, they bookend them. They got the first one and they got the last one. Um, well, and speaking how I- of bookends, you know, not to cut you off there, but book, it's funny you say the bookend thing with the SEC championships, but in Saban's career at Alabama, the only two seasons he was never ranked number one was the first and the last season. Every yep. season in between. 08 Every to 22. Season. Yeah, and, and That's crazy. The, the the things he's done, you know, and we've got the we've got the list of accomplishments, but seven national championships. And let's start there, Terry, with LSU. Because I do want to include you in the conversation. I don't want to sit here and have a soliloquy that could be printed <laughs> printed in the last That's four, okay. Four, four there will be other episodes if there need to be where I get to talk, but, but yeah, go ahead. But LSU two thousand hires Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. They're trash. Now, they hire him away from Michigan State. And remember, he, he never was really great at Michigan State. But, right. but he had a pretty good he – he had a winning record. And they beat Ohio State, and Ohio they, State was number one. But they yeah. beat Ohio State in 1998 when they were number one. Yes, sir. They certainly did. Um, but you, as an SEC guy, and you were in college at the time, all of a sudden Saban comes to LSU, and the game changes – because like we talked about, with him, he brings Will Muschamp, his right-hand man, is his defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher is going to be his offensive coordinator. Kirby is the safeties and cornerbacks coach. I believe Polini was coaching the linebackers or the offensive li- or the linemen. And then there are several others that have a, that have come through that, that system. So 2000, he goes to Baton Rouge. What did you think about Saban in 2000? What did you know? I mean, had you ever heard of the guy? Did you know he was a former head co- or assistant DC and or not assistant DC, assistant head coach as the DC with Bill Belichick? Or is that even on your radar back then? It wasn't at that point. I mean, I remember them winning the national championship, but there was no indication that that wasn't a one and done kind of thing. Because um, I guess did they was it like a if I had to look back at 03, wasn't there some kind of It was USC? a split. USC yeah. got theirs against Oklahoma, and I forget who LSU beat in the Sugar, but you get the you get the split between yeah. the AP and the Because there were so many. Nobody was undefeated. LSU had two losses or whatever. Yeah. So, I but mean, L- I knew it was good. And even like in 04, when Auburn had – Auburn went undefeated, um, Auburn beat LSU by one point. So, yeah. that was like the only team that really – 
challenged them that year. So we knew at that point, this is not the Denardo LSU, but, you know, there was no real indication to me, at least. Maybe some analysts were saying something, but there was no real indication that he was going to do what he was going to do at Alabama, you know. Well, and in four years, he took the fledgling LSU, became two-time SEC champions, and won a share of the national title. Mm-hmm. And, as you and I have said, you want to talk about legacy. LSU wasn't on anybody's radar until Nick Saban got there. And in successive order, of course, they have Les Miles, and then, of course, they uh, Ed Orgeron, and now Brian Kelly. But they get yeah. two more national championships out of the notoriety, success, return to glory, whatever you want to call it, right. that, Sa- that Saban started in his er- in the early 2000s. So um, it's similar to where Alabama to Matt, is kind of now. I mean, to Matt Hatter, exactly. And that's why I wanted yeah. to talk about these parallels because Caleb DeBoer does not have a bad football team he's inheriting. He lost right. a lot of guys. But the loyalty factor with the coach – goes two ways because look at the exodus out of washington coming to play for him right so it's gone both ways it's not just uh saban has lost all of you know or the all the talents left because saban's no longer there DeBoer is getting his guys his coaches his team and anybody that worked on the alabama staff will find a job if they want one because nick saban was their boss you know that's not going to be an issue um i think I think like the Mad Hatter, Caleb DeBoer has to find his own identity that isn't Nick Saban. Because the thing is that made Les Miles so good and dangerous as the head coach at LSU, he was the most off-color, slime ball, whatever during those interview segments, particularly if a woman was was interviewing him. Yeah, But how many times as an Auburn fan – did you see the fake field goals, the fake punts, the I mean, and he burned you guys as he did Alabama, as he did Ohio State in the 06 championship game or 07, one or the other. Um, I don't know who it was against, but there was one where the holder threw it over his head and he didn't quite get it to the kicker running and it bounced. I mean, we're not talking about a round ball. It happened to bounce perfectly right into the guy's hand in stride and he scores a touchdown that's the kind of nonsense luck that less less miles ended up having and that's why they called him the mad hatter because he would call those those plays those things that sort of stuff and then he got away from it he got safe he got conservative and then he got fired and of course (laughs) the fallout in kansas and everything else and then we bring in ed orgeron and no offense to coach o but you or I could have coached the 2019 LSU Tigers to a national championship. Well, let me ask you something. I would have to go look at this, but when Les Miles left Oklahoma State. As the head coach, I believe, yeah. Was that when the man showed up? It was indeed, because the man has been there 20, a long time. 21, two, three years. And he and, and as head coach, as assistant, uh, oh, as yeah, a, he's been there a while. He's been there a lot longer, yeah. Uh, he's just pretty much been there. He was there as a um, player and then just kind of stayed. But yeah, Mike Gundy, and, and one of the things about Les Miles, whether you like it or you don't, 
And one of the things that plagued him in those last years as a coach, he was always really good special teams and offense. And LSU was just going to have a good enough defense. Well, I. SEC, but they were going to have an anchored, anchored front line that was going to get pressure to you. And they were going to have some cornerbacks that could play in the backfield and defense and all of that stuff. But when he had the whole combination, I don't know if you remember this game, but it, they did go, they did lose 10 ga two games that year. But that wild finish with Arkansas, 52-49 or 51-4, whatever it was in 07, Terry. Then they go on to win yeah. the national championship. They just put the, the beat down on Ohio State that year. Um, I just, I'm, Les Miles was a much different coach than Nick Saban. My encouragement is from an offensive standpoint, since that's what Caleb DeBoer is, and he hasn't lost a lot of games. The guy's obviously a good head coach. 12. They just they just need to – well, I understand he played at university – or coached at University of Sioux Falls. But he also took Washington from 4-8 and eight and only lost two games the last two years. So it's well, not – Well, I know they lost, I lost, they lost the national championship game. But we do all this talking about blue chip ratio, which for those that don't know, the blue chip ratio is what percentage of your players were four or five stars coming out of high school. And – Nobody in the um, playoff era, at least, maybe the BCS era, I would have to go look at this. Nobody has won without it being above 50. Washington was at 33. So I know they didn't win it, but they went to the, uh, they went to the championship game with a 33% blue chip ratio. That means you know how to coach your guys up. Now, of course, they had a pretty damn good quarterback. So that helped. You know, that goes a long way, but right. um, that's um that means he did a lot with not much talent. So what does that mean he's gonna do if he can get talent at Alabama and consistently keep getting it? You know, we'll see. Yeah. There's a lot because, of competition, but we'll see what happens. Well, and to your point, there's a big difference because I always talk about the system that Nick Saban built. We call it the revolver, you know, you just reloads the gun year in and year in and year out. Yeah. Caleb DeBoer needs to be able to take that gun and make it his own, but ultimately you've got a lot more resources in Tuscaloosa than you do Seattle. And I mean that's just it's just a fact for it the is. football team. You've you've got more resources. Um I know Seattle got it or uh Washington got Arizona's head coach who did a great job. Jed, I believe his name was we'll talk about him. Let's go let's but, go ahead and um but they didn't get the, and bring the up this little map here. And, and while well, you bring up the map, Terry, I loved it. Um, just as a, a point um, on the uh, – where was I going with that? On the Washington thing or the Jed you, thing. You said something about Jed Fish going. Oh, Washington didn't draw the same sort of talent as some of these other head coaching positions are going to. Right. And that's not necessarily fair to Washington, particularly. I mean, they're the runner for the up for the national championship. But I guess if the man behind that is now in Tuscaloosa, you know, that's kind of where those fans are thinking and they're at. So well, Washington, you know, Washington's a sneaky team historically, because if you start looking at historic, the top teams in college football historically, they're not that far down. They've had some pretty decent teams. They haven't been that 
every year at the top kind of football program, but right. they're not too far behind. Well, and that's what I say. He's inherited a machine in terms of his recruiting. Now he has to get them to buy in and believe for him. And I thought it was interesting, and this may have been the point I was I had just lost momentarily, that Alabama had such great <laughs> luck hiring a defensive-minded coach. They didn't do it this time. Right. They got – I mean, Kalen DeBoer is Kalen DeBoer is an offensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. He is not Nick Saban, former defensive coordinator for arguably the greatest coach to ever coach the NFL in Bill Belichick. He is an offensive coach who's going to take some risks and take some chances. Um, I I think, though, he's a really good football coach. And this is why I'll say this. I don't have to be right all the time. I bet against Washington, what what was it, Terry, four times, five times? Last I don't season. know. Every time they played. But they still won and won and won and won. And if the man's a winner, he's a winner. And what's he yeah. going to do with the roster full of five-star talent? Now, that's a lot of egos to manage, a lot of playing time to manage. And we both know with the NIL and the transfer portal and everything else, you can say adios, muchachos, real quick. Um, right. if, if you don't get what you want out of it. But uh, I think DeBoer's got uh, a challenge in front of him. But to your point, let's take a look at another problem, because we're going to see this with Michigan too now. Look at another problem that these coaching changes under the current football system uh, create is the best way to say it, because you've got mm-hmm. the map up for our for our audience here. Right. Well, I could talk about it if you want. Oh, but the, oh, I, but, I thought you were leading in something. Anyway, okay. The so whole, The whole point is the dominoes that this is causing because Saban leaves and retires yes. and the transfer portal automatically opens because the head right. coach isn't yes. there. Now that I've set it up, Terry, this is wink, wink. This is your turn. Terry, okay. Saban has left. And the Saban, so Saban leaves, fall. okay. And Correct. I, I, I kind of figured that's what you were going to because this we're doesn't working, tell the whole story. We're working together, folks. We're trying to get through this. But Harry is- I was going to agree when you said it. I didn't know you wanted me to say it. Anyway, whatever. We'll figure that out. So step one here, obviously, Saban retires. The moment he retires, 30 days. I think it's 30 days, isn't it? 30 days. So every player on that Alabama roster has 30 days to decide if they're going in the transfer portal. That's a long time. Yep. I'm not sure why it's 30 days. That seems lengthy to me. But then, two days later, they um, Alabama hires Kalen DeBoer from Washington. Now the clock starts for Washington. So pretty immediately, Will Rogers, the quarterback from Mississippi State that transferred in, goes into the transfer portal. But today – he announced he's staying at Washington. So they did get to keep him. So that's good. Uh, that, that That's the leading – I think he's the all-time leading passer in the SEC, even though he was at Mississippi State, which says a lot. Re- recruited specifically by Mike Leach, by the way, who we do love, and at some point yeah. we are going to have a show about. Oh, yeah, definitely. So then the next domino, obviously Washington doesn't have a coach. They hire Arizona's coach, which is um, Jed Fisher. Or Jed very Fish. good coach. Yeah, I was very good say. coach. Yes, sir. I'm reading the wrong thing. So, so then the clock starts at Arizona. 
So then we're like, how many dominoes are going to fall? Is somebody going to promote a coordinator or something? Finally, San Jose State, after Arizona hires their coach, they hire um, Ken. I'm not even going to try that. The guy that used to coach at Navy. Yep. You know, so he he had been fired by Navy in 2022. So there's no dominoes. So that ends the domino effect. But but at the moment, you've got Alabama, Washington, Arizona, and San Jose State all are in this 30 day window where their players can enter the transfer portal because their coach left. Yeah. And now, um, we start a new series of dominoes because, let's face it, they're going to be Jim Harbaugh reportedly going to San Diego Chargers. Uh, that was announced, what, two hours before we got on, Something on, like the, that. on yeah. the show tonight? Um, so now you're going to have, it sounds like his offensive coordinator's in line for the job. Um, they must really believe in him because I didn't think he was that great of a coach for those three games that Harbaugh was at. Well, six games, I guess, but the, the three at That's the end always of the season, hard. I mean, he didn't have the dynamic there that I thought they needed at Michigan, but I, maybe I'm just being too critical. I don't know, Terry. Well, that's like, you know, you know how it is when, when a coach leaves, you know, obviously Mike Leach died. Couldn't, couldn't do much there. Can't do nothing then, there. Yeah. And, and, and let's, let's it's hard. It. It's hard because the fan base, if, if somebody comes out and the team fights hard, and that's what they're going to do most of the time. This is a guy that they want to fight for, but it's not always the right guy. And, let's and it's going it, to be tough to go against the, the internal consideration, and I know people think I'm some sort of conspiracy theorist. Jim Harbaugh wanted it written into his contract that if sanctions came down from the NCAA – Michigan would not fire him, uh, reportedly. Apparently, if that's true, they never put that in the contract because he's off to the NFL. And so now you have Harbaugh going to the NFL, and this guy, Terry, who's to say he's not the scapegoat? We don't want to waste an expensive coaching search and a new contract yeah. on bringing in a big name to Big Blue. Instead, let's promote the offensive coordinator internally if he does well and wins a playoff game or something, great. If the sanctions come down and we blame him, blah, 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 we've got our scapegoat, we fire him. I know that thing, That sounds like I thought that out really well. I didn't. It came to me while you were talking in about a minute and a half. But the point well, same is, thing with Florida. I mean, you talked about them firing their coach, but now we're Billy seeing Napier. sanctions come down on them. So yep. who and knows? He, they, may, he, they may not fire him. He may go four and eight next year with that horrible schedule, and he may stay because they know they're going to get slammed by the NCAA. Yep, and that's that's really these considerations because, you know, Harbaugh, they were going to sign. Did I see a number that was like $150 million or something? It was a stupid oh, I don't know. I number, number yeah. that it got. Flo no, floated for Michigan job or something. It was like uh, $10 million a year or maybe maybe they'd set upwards. Of, I don't remember. It was it was a huge contract for a coach. Um, but he chose not to sign it. He didn't sign it. And then he joined the, you know, the NFL thing. But you and I had speculated even before the playoff that Harbaugh wasn't going to stick around, win, lose, right. or draw. That he was, he was, adios, I'm out. Um, and I don't know why the Harbaugh 
um, thing interests me so much, other than I truly believe they're going to Reggie Bush, Michigan. Um, they're taking that championship. And to your point, we all know Reggie Bush is still the best player in 2003 or four, and uh, Michigan proved they were the best football team in 2023 or 2020. Yeah, 2023 for the 2023 yeah. season. How you can take the championship if you want, but you know, this is also in a in a era where we can buy football talent. And again, I think these are the sort of concerns and considerations that maybe Saban had enough dealing with because he'd been in it from the beginning where you went from the scholarship limitations to, you know, adding the teams like you talked about, trying to be more competitive, conference realignment, conference realignment, conference realignment, and now this thing called the NIL, you know, and the and the transfer portal, both of which are huge. Yeah, because, that's just so far. And, I mean, you know Saban's got a feel for what's happening next. Yeah, and, and the other thing is – With all these mega conference coming in play, there's no telling what's happening next. Well, and he said to the point of the mega conference, kind of the similar thing to Chip Kelly. I saw something he'd answered. He said, you know, one of the things people forget is my football program is part of the University of Alabama. Mm -hmm. He said, so when all of a sudden we start making changes that affect the entire university – not just Alabama football, that becomes a problem, and that becomes something that we have to consider. You're going to tell me that the NIL isn't going to find its way in other sports. That wasn't me saying that. That was Saban saying it. Uh, yeah. And his other thing was similar to Kelly. And now all of a sudden with all these conference realignments, we are now playing baseball and softball and volleyball and all these other things in places we never played before with teams we never played against and, and leaving some of these other things to question. So he had an interesting point of view on it as well. Um, I don't think he's scared of the NIL. I don't think he wants the extra stress right? because I mean, they, you know, like Georgia, like Clemson, you know, like Florida state has done, except they're getting sanctions for it. Apparently they've built a pretty good, recruiting base they don't necessarily need the nil but now that everybody's paying money you have to pay money too i mean that's 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 kind of goes part you know hand in hand together so anyway um it'll be interesting yeah, carrie it, it, it it's chaos right now and i and i think you know i guess i got a lot of opinions we've talked about i just don't feel like the ncaa ncaa has as much power as they used to that's why I don't jump into it as much as you do with Michigan definitely getting their title taken away. I think the courts, and I've said this over and over again, I think the NCAA can't just go do what they want to without a lawsuit showing up. I think that's what where we are in 2024. And remember, I say that to be off color sometimes too, but I really do. <laughs> I, I really do believe the NCAA is going to try to flex that muscle. And oh, they, yeah. will, they will try to strip Michigan of that national championship. Well, and that's why they also came out. And I don't I would have to look at the report for the details, but they were talking about allowing schools to pay athletes directly. And, you know, one thing I think about is Title Nine. And it's like, yep. how does the NIL work with Title Nine? Yep. I don't know enough about either one of them to really say that it's easily worked together, but a lot of those women's sports are the ones that don't have a lot of money coming in. And how do they travel across the country 
how does all that work? Especially if the NIL is a separate entity. Yep. And by you just, definition. You just raised the question Saban did. There's a lot of, what did he call them? Non-income earning sports. Yeah. He called them non-income earning sports. What he was getting at, of course, is the University of Alabama football team, you know, is the juggernaut for the revenue yeah. in the athletics department. The girls' golf team or the men's golf team, we don't have to pick on the girls, but unfortunately, when you look at – there's a reason the WNBA comes after the NBA, and it's it's not a sexist thing. Nobody on this on this listening to this, please think I'm being sexist, but the attendance sucks. Um, they don't get the same coverage. They don't get the same time slots, and, and I get Title IX is supposed to even those things out from a college standpoint, but like you just said, women's basketball is not going to draw 90,000 people into uh, the facilities at Tuscaloosa the way the football does. And uh, quite honestly, can't. you know, football makes money most places. Basketball makes money some places. Nothing else makes money. Uh-uh. Because it's like you said, the women's soccer team at Auburn or the men's soccer team, whatever it was, they yeah. were giving the tickets away just so oh, people yeah. would show up, you know? Yeah, I mean, this was – I mean, this was like 2000. Yeah. I'm standing in Jordan hair, and they just come over the PA. We got a free soccer game. Just come on out. You yeah. know? Or it might have been volleyball at that point, too. I don't know, but it was that. But, but the point was, you were going to get free tickets just because they needed to put people in the, in the bleachers yeah, exactly. or in the, you know, on the field. Um, and, and that's what Saban was talking about the low income or the low revenue producing yeah. sports. You know, they're still important, he says, but who goes to watch the bowling team? And I mean, right. you know, I joke about that, but Nebraska won a national championship in bowling last year, Terry. <laughs> Do you think I ever watched a bowling match? Absolutely not. But I hey, I was in a bowling league one time, and um, oh, it went on all summer, and I hated it at the end. The very first matchup I had, I bowled like a 150. The guy bowled a 300 against me the very first game of the entire season. He bowled a perfect game the first he game. He did. He cheated, though. He was a lefty. So, you know, the oil on the left side of the of the alley doesn't go away too quick. It's kind of like the left-handed batter's box in baseball. He cheated. I got you. That's what I'm I sticking with. Stick to it, Terry. But obviously, <laughs> he's a pretty good bowler one way or the other to be able to do oh, it. Oh, he was. I bought a ball from him. And, like, the first game I bowled with his ball, I bowled a two. 55 or something by far the most I'd ever scored in one game. <laughs> yeah. That, um, I buy, yeah, I bowled like a 225 or 230 multiple times, but I never got close to sniffing a perfect game. Never. I probably averaged a 180 by the end of the year because I, I bought my own balls and I had my own shoes and stuff mm, back you then. Were, you were big time in it, Terry. Oh, I, I got pretty tired of it by the end of that 16-week season. Oh, We I were dead it. last. We sucked. You know what, though? What? Um, we're on schedule. I just looked at the cl- at the timer, and, I, <laughs> and then and I looked at the notes. So you're not supposed to say those things out loud. What are you talking hey, about? Hey, our fans know what schedule? That, that we could talk five hours on Nick Saban, and Terry's ass would go to bed, and I'd be sitting here still talking to the camera about yeah, all the things I love about Nick Saban. But, yeah, I'll transition this when I need to. Don't worry about it. But I'll tell you, I, shut up. It's time to move on. One thing I will say, 
about Nick Saban is there's two things that stick with me. Number one is the quest for perfection, as I mentioned in the uh, monologue, for the lack of a better way to call it, my soliloquy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're being fancy and, and proper English today, Terry. It was a soliloquy because you didn't respond to it. But the um, the one thing about Saban, and you've seen it, I've seen it, there's a video out there where they're up like 50 or 60 to 10, and there's eight seconds left. And the uh, opposing, his team's on defense, and the offense substitutes, and he's standing on the sidelines. Nickel, 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 nickel. Now there's eight seconds left. They're up by 50. And he's nickel, nickel, time out. And he starts screaming, time out. Oh, yeah. And then he chews their asses out. They're like, what's wrong with you? You got no poise, blah, blah, blah. They're up by 50, ladies and gentlemen. And this is what he's doing. He's calling time out so that they drop into nickel which is a coverage that has five backs, for those of you that may not be familiar with the terminology, because of a late substitution where they were going to try a Hail Mary pass. Yeah, Second so nickel, I, that makes sense because there's five. That's right. Dime does not make sense. And then, sense. of course, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> but you don't have, like, one down lineman and ten defensive backs for the dime. It breaks down when you get to that point. <laughs> yes, it does. And the bear, what? That's the 4-4 four, four, for those of you playing long at home. Uh, but the the other thing, you saw it, I saw it. They have a great game in Tuscaloosa. LSU wins. The Mad Hatter gets the win. And they go on to the national championship. It's Alabama. It's LSU. And that is one of the most one-sided football games I had ever seen. If y'all let yeah, LSU didn't it, get past the 50 the whole game. Did I, until the last play. And this okay. is what I was getting to. So it's 21 to zero. So it's not like Alabama blew the doors off. Cause again, as we talked about LSU got a pretty good defense, but they get to the 50 and it's, I want to say it's in two minutes. Somebody jumps off sides and gives LSU the first down over to 50. Yeah. The man secured the national championship for the second or third time. Cause I forget which year it was. And absolutely lost his shit because somebody jumped and gave LSU the the cross in the 50-yard line for the first time that day. Yeah, if I remember that correctly, LSU had beaten them earlier in the season and Alabama nine to, missed several nine, nine to six in Tuscaloosa because until they got Will Riker, they didn't have a kicking game in Alabama. No, no. I mean, if yeah. if if he had a chink in the armor the entire time he was coaching, it was in his kicking game, uh, particularly field goals and PATs. Another instance yeah. we could talk about, Terry, because we didn't mention these on the top ten, and I know you remember this one, the talking to that he gave Lane Kiffin. Uh, and I you don't even ask you I don't remember the game, but that's exactly what he said. The reporter says, so it looked like you and Lane had quite a conversation there on the sideline. Well, I wanted a conversation. That was an ass chew. <laughs> he <Right>. told him. <laughs> but, again, Alabama's in control of the game. Saban freaks out. So, my friends, Terry included, know that if you look at me here on video, this is how I watch football. I refer to this affectionately as the Saban position. 
arms crossed, gal on the face, just waiting to cuss a motherfucker out. Because that <laughs> was Nick Saban during the game. And tell me I'm wrong, Terry. How many times you see that headset fly? Or him oh, just yeah. freak out. And and the thing is, he freaked out about the little things. Because Nick Saban understands, if you do the little things, you never worry about the big things. And well, I think that speaking was of that. a life philosophy for him, is if you took care of the little things, yeah, the big things take care of themselves. But go ahead. Jim. And I think, I think that's a pretty good segue, because we're about to go into a lot of that kind of logic here. We talked about having a top 10 list of some kind every week, even though we're not ranking the teams. And, uh, you know, we're starting to get into this discussion about Saban not just caring about winning, but caring about changing these individuals that are playing for him into better players, better people. You know, there can be some argument. I'm sure my fellow Auburn fans will argue with a lot, a lot that I say, but, you know, I'm, I don't um, – I'll speak more to that on one of these quotes, but this week's top 10 is Nick Saban quotes. So um, now that we're going to do video here, uh, we're going to do these, do these top 10s this way. I kind of like this format. Um, and we voted. It was me and Andrew and a couple of our friends. We invited them to vote. We told them, you don't necessarily need to know football because these quotes aren't necessarily about football. Yep. Well, let's go and ahead we, and, and get it and started. We got, yeah. And we got great results, I think. So go ahead, Terry. Number two. Oh, it is. Number it's 10, it's good to see. It's good to see the opinions of people that aren't. So, and number not 10. Football fans. They, they like football because we like football, but they ain't going to watch 20 games a week like me and Terry watch. So, anyway. <laughs> Four of them on the screen at the same time. Number 10, and I'll read them off as we go, and they'll be on your screen here. Number 10, this is after the 2009 National Championship, and you kind of alluded to this earlier. The quote is, I want everybody here to know this is not the end. This is the beginning. And it was the beginning because it, it kept going. And I go back to 2008 when they were so close, and then they got T-bowed. Um, and really just derailed their season because then again Utah came in and beat them in the champion or in the bowl game. But this 09 team for him was special. This is Mark Ingram. This is a Heisman Trophy winner, first winner I believe from Alabama. Uh, yeah, may have that wrong, but no, first... it is because they did not have for a very long time. This was kind of an Auburn Alabama back and forth because Auburn had multiple Heisman winners. And Alabama had never had a Heisman winner until Ingram. And what and we mentioned was, it, well, we got national championships. We don't need Heisman winners. Well, <laughs> but now they have more than we do. In Saban's coaching tenure, he got we three got Heisman trophy or four. I thought it was four. Is it four? I saw right. a list today that said four. Yeah. I would Henry, have to go look them up. Yeah, I would say Devontae it's, it's, Smith. Oh, that's right. It is four. It's That's Devontae, the one that gets left out, Devontae yep, Smith. Yeah, it's Devontae Smith, it's Bryce Young, it's uh, Henry, Ingram. and, of course, it's Ingram. Those are your yeah. four. Um, I apologize to my to my favorite coach. But my point is this was a very special team. But how prophetic were those words, Terry? Because he lost 29 games at Alabama. At this point, he's lost eight of the 29 he will lose. Yeah. The man was, I mean, incredible. 
Uh, and they took down Texas this year, in that year, 09. They took down Texas and led by Colt McCoy in the national championship game. So, anyway, great quote. All right. I really like it. So, there are going to be some big quotes, so I tried to summarize them on the top ten here. So, some of these summaries might not be the best, but that's why I gave you the, the big picture before we put them on there. Number nine, I don't think it's about who you play. I think it's about who you are. This one I like a lot, and this was what I was going to speak to a minute ago when I stopped myself. This says a lot to me. This kind of is the reason I don't, I as an Auburn fan, don't profess to hate Alabama. I don't profess to hate Nick Saban. If I'm I'm throwing hatred to them, I need to use that energy to, to throw positive to my team, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm trying to make excuses for why my team didn't do something by hating somebody that did. Too much jealousy in that. It, it's really about um, whether my team wins ten games next year is not going to be the fault of one team. You know, that's one game a season. And uh, this this relates to life. The, obviously, uh, I'm an Auburn fan saying this. Alabama fans would see this the same way because uh, Nick Saban said this, um, and this is a philosophy for his players and for life, and I follow this. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, obviously it's very telling um, that the man was always a teacher, philosopher, et cetera. But, I mean, this this is just basic human nature, and he's tapping into that, and I really, really like how he gets some, somewhat primal on these things. Go ahead with the next one, Terry. That's all I was going to say about that. I agree with you, though. It's a it's a great way to approach things. It's a great attitude to have in your daily life. And number eight, trying to bring some drama here. Eliminate the clutter and all the things that are going on outside and focus on the things that you can control with how you go about and take care of your business. Take the other team out of the game and make it all about you and what you do, which is kind of a similar thing to what he just said in number nine yeah it's it's about doing the little things focusing on that making sure you 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 breathe some perfection in the little things in these little habits and do them better every day to the point where if you screw them up you get determined to never screw them up again yeah and i think that's a great coaching philosophy for somebody who is so detail oriented, you know, from somebody who lived that philosophy. We've talked about it on the show and we don't need to relitigate it here, but just as an example, the pre-snap penalties the last couple of years for Alabama have been out of control. They were the, you know, we talked about all the wins and all of the championships and all the other things, but you talk about a disciplined football team. It's stuff like this, philosophies like this that are behind the action that made them such a disciplined football team. Talking about taking care of the little things. Don't worry about them. Worry about us. What are we going to do? I mean, at one point, Alabama averaged less than five penalties a game. That's incredible. And you talk about an advantage? That is a huge advantage. So that discipline that you're talking about, Terry, taking care of the little things. And again, these are things that you guys can apply to your daily life, our listeners, and and you know, I like it. I really do like – because, for instance, I'm in the car business, as everybody knows. It's really easy for me to compare 
<clears throat> excuse me, myself, sales, success, gross, whatever, to another store. But I have to remember I'm responsible for me, my people, my building, my resources. I don't get paid for anybody else's stuff. I'm not responsible to anybody else's stuff. So that is a philosophy I 100% believe in, Terry. And I think I think our I think our friends helped us pick a good one there to put it on the eight spot. I think so. Well, let's head to number seven. The expectations are what they are here, and we don't run around talking about them. I think Ooh. this is good too, because if you keep worrying about what you need to do other than what what's in front of you today. I mean, every one of these almost has the same message. That big yeah. stuff will come if you focus on the very thing that's in front of you. And you get yeah. good at that. It'll build to that. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's just basic, so basic life lessons. And, and again, the record shows that implementing these is obviously what helped build a championship football program. So... Let's move along to number six. We're not going to talk about what we're going to accomplish. We're going to talk about how we're going to do it. And, you know, no. it's funny. I keep running through these, and he's saying the same thing over and over again. Yep. But it's right on. And yep. maybe different guys need to hear it different ways. Or maybe the same guy needs to hear it a different way a different day. Well, and when you say it over and over and over again, Terry, eventually it becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of that identity. It becomes part of that belief system, and it becomes part of your culture. And, you know, that might be why he said it over and again the same way. Like you said, he's, he's saying the same. The messaging doesn't change. The message doesn't change. He might change the words. He might add. He might subtract. But the message is there. It's very clear. You want to do the last five? You want to say them? I can hardly read it from here because I'm on my I'm on my okay, that's right. yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It's much larger on my giant screen here. <laughs> my bad. We could have talked about that, so I didn't offer that up. But anyway, you live, you learn. Number five: worry about the things you can control in your life, both professionally and personally. Don't worry too much about whether or not people like you, and don't get anxious about an impending situation. You can't control these things. That's huge. Who gives a shit about what people think about you? Yeah. You know you're doing what you need to do, and you're focused on that. Have confidence in that and move forward. And I agree with it again because of the business I'm in. There are people that are job scared. They like to hold back knowledge. They don't want to teach. They don't want to train oh, yeah. their replacement. They don't want to do any because they're like, oh, well, if I do that, then I'm not worth as much. No. If you, if you train your replacement – or somebody that's got the capability to do what you do, you get to move on to the next level. It's not that you're not needed. The other thing is, um, from that from that standpoint, it, it it doesn't really matter. You know, you just just share the knowledge, share the wisdom, be good to each other, and you know that's kind of uh, kind of where I think there that landed. But anyway, number four. This one I know you like. Mediocre people don't like high achievers, and high achievers don't like, don't mediocre, like mediocre people. people. This is you basically I, surround yourself with, with successful people, and you're going to be successful. I should get it tattooed, you know, because I've lived by a philosophy for a long time. If you're the smartest person in the room, find a different room. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> you know, that, that sounds so basic, but you're yeah. not learning anything. You're not, right. you're not, at that point, you're not growing. You're stagnant. And, and, and if you think you're there, you're wrong. Correct. What happens when things get stagnant too is they get poisoned, they lose productivity, they yeah. die. So, mm -hmm. you know, like I say, if you're the smartest person in the room, in the room. But mediocre people, I don't like them. High achievers don't like mediocre people. Mediocre people don't like high achievers. You talk about a workplace. Let's just put this in real life. Think about yeah, the guy that does all the work and think about the one that skates by and gets paid. And you all know who those people are. And you might be one or the other. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying <laughs> you all know who one or the other is. And yeah. that's the thing is there's always that person that you're going to have to, you know, cooperate with or whatever. The way you move away from those folks is you surround yourself with more like-minded people. Don't be the same. Because you need to have those challenges intellectually and and experience differences and all that stuff. But again, find a different room. If you outgrow the room in any way, find another room. You know, it's good. I always thought it's good when you don't maybe know somebody that you're working with very well. And you haven't really built up that camaraderie to say, you know, I noticed you're really good at this. And maybe I'm not quite there yet. Right. I think you can show me this or that. And that goes a long way. So let's move on to number three. Process guarantees success. A good process produces good results. And it's the same thing. Ingrain yep. that same thing every day. Show up to work. Show up to learn something. And that process is building yourself. And if you're doing your part and you're counting on your teammate or your partner to do their part, together you make something great. I think that works for football, for work, and for life. Agreed, 100%. And I'm a big process guy. Uh, the people that work for me know that we do, the same, we do our job the same way every single time. We don't deviate from the process. We don't call an audible. And the reason we, we do it is it's the company standard, and it's what works. That's why I've been there for 12 and a half years, despite the fact I often joke that I am HR's best uh, employee, but, you know, uh, or favorite employee. But that's not that's not even true. It's just funny to say. But, um, yeah, I, I 100 percent subscribe to that process or to that belief, Terry, that process does matter. Because like it says, it doesn't say bad processes, but that's inferred. If you have a bad, bad process, you're going to have a bad outcome. You know, if the process sucks, you're going to have a bad outcome. And well, a lot of times it, the process is finding out what doesn't work. Yeah. And I can make a government to joke to do here. anything. <laughs> about the post office? <laughs> yeah. About processes. Where where did we mail that one? Um, oh, God. Overnight. Don't mail anything in December. Mm-mm. <laughs> Number two, what, what happened what yesterday is history. What happens tomorrow is a mystery. What we do today makes a difference. And let me tell you, just to throw this out there, this sounds very similar to quotes that I've heard before. And I really looked for where he said this, and I couldn't find it. But the reason I put it in this list is because there were so many people that I felt that were reputable 
that had this listed as something that he said. So I said, okay, I'll round up on that. Uh, I started, I'm like, I don't know. I haven't really found that interview. But um, based on reputable people saying it, I'll go with it. And there's truth and in it. Though. And there's truth in it, you know. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. That's what that is. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today brings its own trouble. And oh, today a brought a lot of trouble. Well, that's because you work for the government. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was part of What'd my I own say? stupidity. But yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Now, now Terry, we're not going to talk about the laptop getting left at the office. Oh, or... it, was, it was one of those things. It was like, I cannot figure this out. I cannot figure this out. And then when I did figure it out, I'm like, man, I wish I had those last five or six hours back. Or <laughs> anyway, let's pay. move along. Of Huntsville, the ice capade, because you didn't get snow, you got ice. Before we got number one here, I was a little depressed. I'll say the word depressed that the quote, I didn't make it into this. Because oh, he used well. to say that all the time. And yeah, didn't quite well, he also make it said, in. We couldn't stop him. We couldn't stop him. <laughs> that they didn't make it in. Like goose through a tin horn. Oh, away. Didn't that stop. Shit through a tin horn did not shit make this list. Tin horn didn't th- oh didn't my stop. goodness! Anyway, the number stop. one quote from Nick Saban in his career: "There are two pains in life. There's the pain of discipline and the pain of disappointment. If you can handle the pain of discipline, then you'll never have to deal with the pain of disappointment. And it's kind of the same thing." But this is growth. You don't grow without some kind of conflict of some sort. Sometimes that brings pain. Sometimes it doesn't. But there's going to be some situation where you have to learn something. And we're pretty stubborn. Humans are pretty stubborn. We're not going to learn lessons unless we are, unless we're bashed over the head with it over and over again. And that's what this is about. That's how you find it. And then, like you say, it's, uh, I love this quote. It's another life philosophy. Put it on the wall, tattoo it on your arm. I don't care what you do with it. But you, you know, what we could say is you can learn from somebody who spent his entire life building, teaching, motivating people. And, you know, hopefully some of these, you know, this is the real talk part of our, our segment here. We're not joking on this. Hopefully, some of this can can benefit our listeners, really, and and that we want you to take, you know, obviously want to laugh, joke, and have a good time, and I want to yell Roll Tide at Terry every chance I get, but there are real elements to life that these sort of things help with, and I certainly hope that's the case with these. All right, so any final words about Nick Saban before we move on away from from his um, retirement celebration? The greatest college football coach of all time. It's not even close. And I understand there's names like Bear Bryant, Joe Paterno before the sex scandal, Tom Osborne, Bobby Bowden. It's not close. I'm going to leave somebody out if I keep naming them, so we're going to quit. But yeah, we're not good at not leaving people out. <laughs> it, it, it's not even close. The the contributions, yeah, the contributions to college football 
probably can never be matched. Right. Um, he doesn't, you know, to quote Triple H about Ric Flair, the greatest professional wrestler of all time. He doesn't have a spot in the Hall of Fame. He gets his own wing. And I think for me, that's what I think of Nick Saban. Everybody knows I speak very reverently of the man. Um, he's the reason I'm an Alabama football fan. And Terry, final thought. You ain't getting out of Tuscaloosa. We're still going to the <laughs> Iron Bowl, and we're still going to yell roll time. So you noticed the tweet it. today, huh? That I-, oh, I saw it. I saw it. But we go into Tuscaloosa. We're going to That's Jordan fine. Hare the next year, and you can have all your fun and yell War Eagle. But you oh, get to yeah. stand next to me as I yell Roll Tide when they Hey, that's how know, it works. That's dial fine. It up. That's fine. That's dial fine. We'll up. have a great time. It'll be we'll have Thanksgiving in Tuscaloosa. And you know it's more about football or not more about football. It's more about family than it is football. Oh yeah. So, you know. Uh and you know, like your um annoying little brother, I just poke you every chance I get. Roll Tide. All right, let's move along then, since you had your final word. And you chose for that to be your final word. Final two words. I didn't even wear an Alabama shirt tonight. This says you put wore, it in reverse. You wore back it up, back it up. Back put it, it in up, reverse, Terry. Terry. <laughs> put it in reverse, Terry. Back up. So you did bring up wrestling a little bit, so we can segue into that. We want to talk a little bit about, you know, during football season, we talk about the games that are coming up. But away from football season, we want to talk about stuff coming up this weekend also. And one of the things coming up this weekend on Saturday, I believe it's Saturday, is the Royal Rumble. Yep. And that's no, but before we get to the Royal Rumble, I want to mention the big news that came out from the WWE that Raw in 2025, I don't remember the exact date, is headed to Netflix. Yep. I think it's January. I honestly, I, I think, think it is January, January like a yeah. year from now. It's going yeah. to Netflix, so I'm I'm real interested. Like, where are the pay per views going to be? Um, are we going to see SmackDown move? Um, are we still going to have the network on Peacock? Man, they're they're spreading it out all over the place. I think, and this would be me speculating. I don't know anything. I think that the Peacock contract means the network stays on Peacock, at least for now, until that contract is up. Yeah. I don't see SmackDown leaving Fox unless they can come up with a better time frame. And the the whole idea of a streaming platform, um, I think that's great because, you know, you and I both watch all of our TV on Hulu um, or Sling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we're into the streaming platforms anyway. I would have never picked Netflix, though, for a live wrestling show. Well, so. And that's why I wouldn't have picked them, is because it's a live wrestling show. Also, I think that's probably, the, the, I, I, they going to have bowl games next? I mean, you I saw mean, bowl games on Peacock. You yep. saw NFL playoff games NFL on Peacock. Playoff, yep, yep, yep. And I know we're going to um, get to the NFL, but yeah, NFL play. So I think I think cable is is on life support. I call it cable, but you understand what I'm saying. Traditional television. Um, well, unfortunately, th- streaming is becoming cable, though. 
that's my concern there that sure cable's going to go away but when when sling tv first came out it was 20 channels 20 dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it is nowhere close to 20 dollars a month now it's becoming no. cable I've got the HBO add-on, two TVs for Hulu, and I don't mind sharing this with people because, I mean, you could go price the plan out yourself. I got live TV, two TVs, and HBO as an add-on. And I'm at $113 a month now for Hulu. And the only reason I got two TVs is so that, you know, more than one person can watch a different program if they don't want to watch the same thing. Um yeah. I've got Netflix. That's $17. I got Amazon Prime. That's whatever, $16. Yeah, well, yeah that's a different animal just because of Prime. Yeah. You got, yeah, I got Peacock. That's $10. You got um, HBO Max, which is part of my Netflix. So that works out. Paramount. You got Paramount. You got Paramount. That's another $10 or $12. I mean, like you said, if you all of a sudden have every streaming device, you might as well have stuck with cable. Um, well, and then you end up having five different things that'll show you some of those channels. Yep. I mean, yep. we don't have this a la carte thing that we want, and ESPN's yep. a big reason for that. Disney controls so much. Yep, and and that's the other thing. Oh, Disney Plus, I missed that one. But Disney Plus and ESPN are bundled with Hulu, which is the justification for their price right. increases. But I never asked for Disney Plus or e or. ESPN Plus. But I whatever. had it for a while. I didn't watch Disney because I don't. I've got sons, so <laughs> I don't have little girls to watch Disney princesses with. So we don't watch Disney Plus. So, but they do have Star Wars on Disney. And uh, in case you didn't know, Terry, since we're talking about streaming, I know we went down this rabbit hole. Keep it. Keep an eye on the timer. Um, <laughs> the Punisher has been renewed for Disney Plus. Frank's coming back. Frank Castle as uh, Kurt That's Angle's good. Kurt Angle brother-in-law, John, is it John? Um, the guy who played the Punisher, what is his name? Oh, I don't know. Is that Kurt Angle's brother-in-law? It's Kurt Angle's brother-in-law. I had no uh, idea. He was also on Walking Dead. Yep, that guy. Yeah, John, uh, uh, I forget <laughs> yeah, I don't his name. Know. I'll have to anyway, but yeah, the Punisher... It's coming back. They finally signed it back for Barenthal. That's it, Barenthal. Okay. I knew the minute I started looking it up, I'd find it. But yeah, that's Kurt Angle's brother-in-law. I had um, no idea. Believe it or not, yeah, him and Paul did an interview with Barenthal. Uh, and of course, I'm such a Punisher junkie. I love it. Um, that was yeah, a great show. They're gonna bring it back. I mean, violent as hell. I mean, just all out. And I really like. If we're going down this path, I really like Gotham also. Because it wasn't show. the regular old Batman story that you yep. you see. I thought but they gotta, made him Batman a little too early. <laughs> it was pretty young and but small. But you got to see see Selena Kyle. You got to see the yeah. the story of the Penguin and the and the Joker, or presumably the Joker anyway. Right. Um. You know, so a lot of fun stuff there for sure. Yeah. Uh. But the Netflix back to wrestling on Netflix. I I don't know how it works. Somebody somebody popped me though yesterday. And they did a tweet because the explanation we as wrestling fans have always gotten about Robbie in three hours is USA wants it for three hours. And he says, well, since we're going to a commercial-free platform, does that mean that we can go ahead and watch this commercial-free now and only go back to two hours instead of three for Raw? Um, hilarious to me the way he put it on the Twitter. But, 
the thing is, Peacock has commercials, so raw Netflix can still insert commercials into the programming. Yeah, uh, it's just going to be an interesting way to watch it. But honestly, I don't think Hulu it's actually, does. It's that novel. I don't think it's that different. I think they're going to be fine putting it on Netflix. Yeah. Well, and that just be, means that I can't get rid of any of these streaming services. That's what ever. I'm saying, though. When they diversify that portfolio, buddy. And it's not all on one, you know, you can't get them all on Hulu or you can't get them all on, on, let's say, Amazon Prime or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you have to keep all of the nonsense. So anyway, uh, but I, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a big deal. Um, they got a huge contract with NBC, though, for the Peacock thing. And is USA part of the NBC network? Do I have that right? Are they all together? Maybe. And that might... Know. I don't know. But the other thing is that was announced, and let's just do hand in hand. The Rock is now a board member for TKO, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, for those of you that only know him as Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, the man, uh, most electrifying. It is, it man is in part of NBC Universal. Yes. So there you go. So, I mean, that could mean that, that Peacock, they certainly are on their way out. Who knows? But that was a five year deal for huge money. On the Peacock thing. Yeah. And now that you brought The Rock in for TKO, which is the parent company of WWE and the UFC, um, don't think he's not going to make some appearances and, and uh, help draw the crowds, you know, wherever they go. And the other thing is, WWE is almost in a boom period again, and they're done it real quietly. They don't have the juggernaut like yeah. Stone Cold or The Rock up front leading it like they did during the Attitude Era where it was really clear wrestling is hot, but the creative hasn't really missed in WWE much, and they're making Well, they've money. got Roman Reigns, they've got Cody, they've got Punk, and they've got a women's division. And a good one. A good right. one. Um, and yes, that's criticism of AEW, because I think they, they don't use the talent properly. But uh, And i got to tell you, I mean, I've gone to indie indie wrestling locally and seen some really good women's matches. So yeah. I, I'm not just shitting on women's matches, but um, I mean, there's enough good women. WWE, in the WWE is a lot years ahead of AEW there. They got a, they got a WWE women's Royal rumble talking about the Royal rumble, talking about wrestling. Yeah. Let's lead into that. What, what are, what are our thoughts on this weekend? We got the fatal four way. I mean, is there any chance that Roman Reigns is not going to walk away champion there? Only because the they got to find Rumble. a way to deal with Seth's injury. That would be the only thing I would say is they've got to find a way to deal with Seth Rollins' injury. He's got a torn meniscus and a torn um, MCL, ACL, I think. Okay. Um, so they've got to they've got to figure out what to do with him if he can't perform, because obviously they were building to a Punk match with with Rollins, or at least it looks that way. We're also going to see Punk in the match for the first time in wrestling in WWE since he's been back, and that'll be sun or Saturday in the Rumble. He and Cody had their little face-to-face, -face, but to your point, the, the four-way, you got AJ Styles, fantastic professional wrestler. Randy Orton, fantastic professional wrestler. Roman Reigns, phenomenal sports entertainer. B plus professional wrestler, and then you've got L A um, Knight, who yeah. who has really just captured the audience. If you're going to mm -hmm. make somebody make L A Knight, 
But I don't think LA Knight's a big enough name to take the title off of Roman, and that's no disrespect so. to him. That's no disrespect. I mean, I don't to think it would be all. time for AJ Styles to do it either. I think if anybody won it besides Roman, it would be Randy. But I'm going with Roman retaining. If you're asking for yeah, a prediction, me too. Um, well, I mean, and that's my thought because I just don't see this being the time. Over and over again, I've expected it to be the time, but that was like WrestleMania or SummerSlam. I don't see Royal Rumble being the time. They could have taken the belt off of him in Montreal in front of Sammy's hometown last year, and they chose not to. Yeah. Um, but they, they could have taken one, if not both of them, off of him, and it wouldn't have hurt either one of them. But And 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 I don't think L.A. Knight, no, no offense to him, I, I like him, very good wrestler, a great technician, knows how to work the camera, very, very good presentation. I don't think, though, that he's got the level of um, – interest that Sami Zayn had when he was part of the bloodline and you saw the breakaway and all that sort of thing I just don't think it's there but if you're asking for a prediction Roman retains in my world yeah I got Roman retaining also and let's go ahead and look I mean we can look at the women's match but I mean I have a a list of six women listed here that they know are going to be in the match Bailey, Nia Jax Becky Bianca, Maxine Dupree, and Ivy Nile. Nobody's jumping out. I mean, I don't know who to pick of those names. I don't know. I have no clue. I mean, I'm not even going to suggest. I just don't know enough. And honestly, I don't watch it every week, so I'm probably missing out on some some storylines. But um, I don't know. I would like Becky to win because I always want Becky to win. You know. Right, Charlotte is out. Obviously, the winner gets gets uh oh from Judgment Day. Rhea gets Rhea Ripley. It presumably right. gets Rhea Ripley. Um, yeah, if she were in it, that's who I would pick. Yeah, what a what a champion, what a monster she's been the last exactly. year. They they have you talk about marketing, packaging, whatever. They've got her now. Um, I would love for Bianca to win. Because Bianca is my girl. Um, you know, I know you love Becky. But has love- she had her moment and then she's dropping down? I guess that's the question. Though. Well, they've I hit mean- the reset button. Yeah, they've hit the reset yeah. button. But I, I love Bianca. I don't think Bailey will win it. Um, I don't think Oscar will win it. I Nia think- Jax, I don't I don't see. think Nia Jax will win it. Um, I think it's and, I and think there, there's probably at- a name on here that could come in. But I don't know who it would be. They're struggling right now. Well, and you're going to see some surprises. The women, you know, you'll see the Trish Stratus or the Lita or the Brie Bella or the Becky Bella or whoever. Yeah, Kelly. We may Kelly, have like a Liv Morgan win it or something like that, and then then they have this match where she's outmatched or whatever. But they did spend Rhea. some time. They did spend some time Monday with the Rhea, with with uh, Nia Jax, and with um, Becky doing the whole well i want to face you i want to face you thing and then bailey comes out and all that um i would be intrigued for a becky versus uh Rhea match they've kind of cooled becky way down and maybe it's time yeah. to bring her back up but you could say the same thing about bianca they've really cooled right, her down maybe two. it's time you know unless you want to just strong- give it to naya and like she's back she's you know think about the Think about the size of Nia against yeah. Rhea Ripley. And Charlotte isn't an option. So Right. 
and Ronda's not an option anymore. Shayna right. Baszler would be an intriguing option, but I it don't would. think they'll I don't think they'll push her. So I mean if you're asking me gun to my head, Terry, I'm going for my girl, and that's Bianca Belair. So I'll go with Becky, not even saying I think it's gonna happen. This is more of a I hope this happens. Yeah, who I'd like to see exactly. As for the men, anybody but CM Punk. Please win the rumble. <laughs> well, here's here's my here's my question for you. I think the two key players here are Cody Rhodes and CM Punk. So they are, do they yeah. give it to Cody again? Because he's still he's he's fresh and he's still he's still a favorite here. CM Punk is back and new, and, and you know there's all this conflict between people not wanting him to be there and people loving him. So that's good for business. And then this conflict between them is good. I'm thinking, do both of these guys join the match early and work together for a while and then end up together at the end? That would be interesting. Um, does one of them hang in there a while and the other one comes in at like 28? Yeah, I, I think know. the way that I think that would be one of the misses they had in the Rumble last year was Cody coming in at 30 was like, oh, yeah, cute, you know. Um, right, and Gunther, my God, what a performance! An hour and twelve minutes last year, um, incredible professional wrestler Gunther is, um, formerly Walter and formerly a heavyweight, but his man has gotten himself in a re. I mean, he was in he good has. cardio shape anyway. Definitely. But, I mean, he's probably lost what sixty pounds, seventy he's pounds. Lost a lot. Yeah, and... he's thinned out quite a bit. And you talk about a cardio machine, you know. Um, one thing I hate about social media is it kind of ruins some of the Rumble surprises for us. You used yes. to be able to get all those. Um, but now you get the pictures at the airport and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. um, I really would like to see someone like Gunther win it. But then who do you put him against? And you've got the Seth Rollins question and all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. I think the safe, easy answer is yes, Cody would win. But even Triple H has indicated in Sports Illustrated that it may not be time for Cody to finish the story. Now, Triple H is the game. He's also a guy right. who knows how to get people to watch and all that sort of stuff. And and the WrestleMania, mind you, is in Philadelphia. So, um, you know, you've got a lot to consider there because this is the town that boos Santa Claus. They booed the rock out of the building at the Rumble in 15. Um, and... Roman should have punched The Rock just to turn on him there, but he didn't. Uh, the Rock has been speculated to enter the Rumble because they want to do the Bloodline thing. I don't think I don't think we're there, but um, it'll be I huge. Mean, I want to see someone like Gunther win it. You know, somebody different. Because let's so face who it, do you think if it if it wasn't if it wasn't Cody or CM Punk? Those are the two names mm -hmm. that jump out to me. Who do you think's that third guy that actually has a chance? Do you think it's Gunther? Do you think Drew McIntyre maybe that they would push him again? I, I think they're done with McIntyre. I think Owens would have a better chance maybe. Um, but Owens is Owens has a match against um Logan Paul, so he's uh, Yeah, he, but it doesn't mean he he's not going to be in it. Yeah, they used but, to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and Logan or Paul, Mick Foley was in there three times. Logan Paul, by the way, 98, yeah. Logan Paul, by the way, great professional wrestler, somebody Absolutely. who never never was a wrestler, knows how to get heat, 
I love the pairing with him and Owens. But on the Rumble topic, buddy, that's a hard question because so much of the life of it's been sucked out of the bloodline. You've eliminated the three main eventers from the, the match. You might just, they might have it set up for it to be a complete surprise of somebody that we're not expecting Otis. to win. <laughs> um, but I don't think it'll be Otis. No, Although he did win no. money in the bank. And they then already they, then took they the money in the bank briefcase from it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's not going to be a Dolphin Edge, a Christian, for obvious reasons. Those guys yeah. are all gone. Um, I'd love to see Gunther win it. And I think he, I think he's got the possibility to win it if they can get Seth to limp through. But I honestly think it's going to be CM Punk. I think so. But it because, becomes almost like big name comes back and they win the Rumble. I mean, yeah, because that's CM the part Punk, I don't like about that. Yeah, he never main evented WrestleMania. Although the man wrestled the Undertaker at WrestleMania, in my world, that's still a main event. But right, uh, he you know it's always been one of his bitches as he didn't main event WrestleMania. Um, well, you're not going to main event WrestleMania either. You're going to main event one night one or night two, buddy. So because um, the damn thing's yeah. gotten so long. But yeah, I I would say CM Punk is probably the easy choice. I don't think they want to give it to Cody just yet. Um, I don't think and I so. think CM Punk ends up going after Rollins. It's not necessarily going after Roman. I would kind of like to see one of those situations where Cody and CM Punk are in there for at least half of it together, working together. And then toward the end, it's them and one other guy, and somehow the other guy wins. Yeah, and they haven't done a finish like that since 92 with Flair, Sid Vicious, and Hogan. They did the dual yeah. finish Every with Brett. for himself, for himself, big boy. <laughs> Brett Luger, 94. Yeah. Um, they had the Cena and, and Batista in 2005. You know, so there's, there's some history there where they could have a fun finish. Yeah. Uh, and they might need to have a fun finish. Or this was something somebody spun, which I thought was actually a really good idea. If the Seth Rollins thing isn't resolved, and I don't know that it is, um, I don't even know what, what they said last night on Raw. What if Triple H made the Rumble for the world title? Instead of, instead, instead of main eventing Rumble. In that case, again, I still think CM Punk wins. What if what if somebody comes back? What if they can actually hold on to information and somebody we haven't thought about enters and wins? And according like, to Dave, according to Dave Meltzer, not to interrupt you, Seth Rollins dodged a bullet with the raw injury and hopes to return in a month with a partially torn MCL and meniscus during his championship match with Jinder Mahal. So he's going to rehab. He's not having surgery buddy so he's gonna try to make mania so with him in play i'd go and see him punk yeah i'm thinking that's probably the the logical choice i wish they would do something a little bit more dramatic but i, I just don't know what it would be but hopefully they they surprise me maybe maybe kevin owens is unexpectedly number 30 well that that was my other thing. The guys that you would expect 
to have a chance to win it, they're all tied up. Like you've got yeah. the four way for the world title, you know, or the universal title. Um, because AJ could win it. Randy could win it again. That would be his third time, I believe. And um, even LA Knight, you talk about a way to make somebody, he could win it too, you know? All right. So let's um talk a bit about the WWE. Uh, we got NFL playoffs this weekend too. Playoffs? And, Playoffs. <laughs> and, you know, just when I think I'm good at picking these playoff games, <laughs> you know, I, I'm having a fantastic weekend. And just, I got to remember, don't pick the Bills and the Cowboys in the playoffs. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So I, I mean, have I not actually... learned that throughout my life? Remember, I got goose-egged in the first two playoff games. I mean, goose-egged and ended up climbing oh, back to number 13 in our little game there with Dave and friends. I'm still tied um, for third, so I'm doing okay. My spreadsheet doesn't realize how shitty of an organization the Cowboys are, though. Yeah, well, you ain't lying. They're terrible. Um, so you gave up 48 at home. You didn't defend the house. I don't give a shit. What? There's no excuse for that. Um, I think the Ravens Kansas City game this weekend has really nice potential. It does, and of course, San Francisco and the Lions. I mean, come on, you know. Right now, um, the the line is seven. I like game. I like the Lions. I and and yeah. I, I'm not I'm not betraying any confidences because we're in that pool, football thing together. Right. I'm picking the Lions. I haven't picked the score yet. But I'm going to pick them mostly because I want to see them finally make it to a Super Bowl. And then more than likely, um, I think the Ravens actually have the talent to beat Kansas City, plus they're playing at home. Yeah. So, but I also thought the Bills, because they did have every advantage, like you, I picked the Bills to win. Yeah. And they had every advantage. And they, they Well, see, the Chiefs away. started playing like the Chiefs again. That, yeah. that to me, is what's happened because the last several games, they didn't play like this. Nah. They have played way better in the playoffs than they did leading into it. Yeah, Some they weren't good. That and, and the thing is, is, when do you get hot? You know, like the Philadelphia Eagles completely derailed after showing that they were, you know, such a oh, dominant man. team. They what, what, they lose the last five of six or six? They were 10 seven? and one and then just yeah. got one was, more win the whole season. It was ugly. And, you know, then the, then the Texans come out and they blow Cleveland's doors off, you know, um, completely unexpected in the playoffs. Baltimore doing their thing. Nobody nobody thought that they were going to lose that game last week. Um, and, you know, like I said, the Lions, I think they're the sentimental favorite. So I'm, yeah. I'm going for the Lions to win the Super Bowl because I love watching football players. I don't have football teams. But right. um, I love watching football players, and the way the Lions play, it's just a fun, gritty team. And I really mm -hmm. like their coach, Dan Campbell. And I think mm -hmm. um, they've this is this is obviously the best Lions team we've seen in three decades. You know, a long uh, time, yeah, been a long time since you've seen a team like this. So hopefully they can put it together. But San Francisco, make no mistake about it. With Bosa, Chase Young, Randy Gregory, 
on that defense along with the cornerbacks, you know, with the pass rush on third down. You've got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, very capable. Brock right. Purdy is the is the quarterback. He's young, um, yep. but he's capable. And Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. San Francisco's not a team that's going to get out easy. You're not going to beat them easily. Um, I just, um, I really, really think that, well, I want the Lions to win. But what I really want as a football fan is two really good football games. Hopefully that's what we see. I hope so, and I hope it leads to a good Super Bowl. And let me tell you something I'm going to start with this new format every week, and I've got it in the notes, and I said withheld because I didn't want you to know what this was, and I'm probably going to withhold it every week. You know, we want to end on a positive note. We may talk some shit in the middle up front all over the place but i want to end with some positivity so i'm going to do a little bit of a weekly praise and conclusion to the show and this week i'm going to praise my co-host here not only for the job he does with me on this show but one of the podcasts we did not mention earlier in the show is the arn show and um you know we are both members of ad free shows uh for those that don't know what that is, that's a that's a Patreon for um, wrestling podcast. That's how we met, and uh, my co-host here does a lot of work uh, research for the Arn Show. They call him the Research Guy, and uh, I want to praise you for that because every time we listen to that, we can tell like everybody that listens to it that I talk to, we can tell how much effort you put into it, the quality of that work. You know, obviously, I really enjoy and I thank you for the job you do here, but I also want to praise you for that. So I wanted to give you, sir, a little positivity before we conclude. And I know you knew nothing about this, but if I'm going to do this every week, I might as well start at home and praise you, sir. So thank you for what you do both here and the other shows that you work on. Bravo. Well, thank you, Terry. That's very nice of you to say. Uh, and he is right. I had no idea he was going to do that and try to embarrass me. I'm a darker shade of red right now uh, because I am big red. But, uh, no, I, I've had the pleasure of being on the Orange Show. I really do appreciate the kind words. We're, we're developing some things, changing some things always. The videos are gone, so now we're using Meltzer and all this other stuff. So – Paul leans on some of my creativity for the notes, but he also leans on the fact that I'm one of the biggest Arn Anderson fans he knows. It makes sense. He's a smart guy like that. Um, but I really enjoy what I do. It's a nice way to unplug and to look at it. I will tell people, um, don't have a problem telling it. I spend two and three hours on a one-hour episode doing all the notes and the research for it. Um, I never want Arn and Paul to be unprepared, but also it's a passion project. It's, I, it, you know, it's not my daily job. I, I have a real job, you know, right. and I say a real job. What I mean is that was a hobby. That was somebody calling me saying, hey, can you help me? And over the last two years we've done it, it's just that Paul and I have done it together because we took the show over from Conrad. Um, it's been a really fun ride, and I've gotten to be the guy that knows a lot of things before everybody else, which is cool. And Terry will tell everybody. I don't tell him. 
I keep right. it all. I keep it all, hey, babe. We'll say, um, did you know this? And he's like, yeah, I couldn't say anything, though. Yeah, I couldn't say anything, though. Um, but, you do hint stuff, though. Like, hey, there's something big coming up. I'm not telling you what it is. And I try to, I try to get people engaged and interested, yeah. and I'm glad, I'm glad you all see that. Um, Definitely. Now that off. I know we're going to do this segment, I will come up with one for next week. I don't want to just just put something on the spot now because that's not fair to you or to our audience. <laughs> but I really do appreciate that. It was very nice of you to say. And um, well, we're a little bit over time, Terry. But I think uh, the first okay. effort, you know, we did okay. First try, a little bit over first try. Um, Coach Saban deserves it. We're talking about Royal Rumble, NFL playoffs. There's still a lot going on to talk about. New show format. It was fun. It's going to be less than two hours because we're about to wrap it up. But thank you, sir. Yeah. Do you have any final short thoughts before I let us out of here? Other than next week's top ten, I have no idea what it is yet, <laughs> so don't ask. Um, and that's a shoot, brother. One Absolutely. final thing since we're talking about wrestling. January the 23rd, 1984, Hulkamania was born when the most important transitional champion in wrestling history, the Iron Sheik, was defeated by Hulk Hogan in Madison Square Garden. What started was a four-year, almost inter- well, a four-year uninterrupted run of Hulkamania, where Hulk and Vance really did build the professional wrestling business. I'm not a Hogan guy. I was a savage guy. But you can't overlook the importance of January the 23rd, because yesterday it was the 40th anniversary of the birth of Hulkamania. So um, if y'all love listening to us talk about crazy things, go find your favorite Hulk Hogan match, be that against Warrior at six or Savage at five, be when he slammed Andre in front of 89 or 93,000 fans is what they claim at Pontiac. Uh, Maybe when he turned on everybody and established the new world organization of wrestling, brother. Um, but, you know, without Hogan, wrestling wouldn't be what it is. And I can honestly say and accept that. Um, but I was never a Hogan guy. But you can't deny what he's done for the business. So January 23rd, 1984, really was the birth of Hulkamania when he won the world title from the Sheik. Iron Sheik, not the Sheik, the Iron Sheik. Um uh, and so, uh, like I said, that's the only thing that I had to add to the show for pop culture and trivia tonight, Terry. Something fun. That's um, good. Is that it was a 40-year anniversary. And uh, mm-hmm. by the way, my man, Arn Anderson, is the only professional wrestler on record to have a pinfall victory over Andre the Giant, Ric Flair, and Hulk Hogan. That's awesome. So, so don't say I never taught you anything. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. As I said, praise okay. to you today. I know it was a surprise. Thank you for the show. We'll figure out the new format, and this hour and 50 minutes will be cut down a little bit for you guys. Thanks for listening. Anybody that's listening for the first time, hopefully you enjoyed it. Tune in next week to find out what we came up with for a top 10. We'll talk a little bit more NFL playoffs. We'll probably talk a little bit about what actually happened at the Royal Rumble. We'll come up with something else, hopefully. But we'll see you next week. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening. We are TNA Top 10 on all social media. I'm T-Weave79. He's 30-year fan. We're available weekly where you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe, and share. Thank you.